Um, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Last week we talked about viewing how we view our money. And we realized that if we're not content with what we have, we will never be content with more. Today we're going to be talking about earning money. Earning money. Next week we'll talk about how we manage. And then the final week, how we give. But I don't know if you've noticed that job titles over the years have changed. Let me share a few current job titles with you and see if you can guess in your mind what these positions used to be, what you probably know them as. Number one, a beverage dissemination officer is a waitress, a color distribution technician, a painter, a wet leisure attendant, a lifeguard, a domestic technician, a housewife, an education center nourishment consultant, lunch lady at the cafeteria, a gastronomical hygiene technician, a dishwasher, and a sanitation consultant, a plumber, right? Job titles have changed over the years. And really, if you think about it, when you travel, right, studies prove that when you travel, there are two primary questions that are always addressed. When you're traveling and you meet somebody, whether it's on a plane or, or you're at a, let's say, a gathering with a group of people and you meet somebody that you did not know, after the customary question of, you know, greetings, we introduce ourselves and we give our names, the number one question that then arises is very simple. What do you do for a living? Right? Where do you work? What do you do for a living? Now, when I think about that, there are a number of ways that I can answer that question. I can say, I'm a writer, and they will think, you know, I have lots of insights because I, I write sermons. Or I can say, I'm a teacher, right? And they may think I have some skilled knowledge or specialized knowledge. Or I can just simply say, I'm a preacher, and they will walk away. Because who wants to talk to a preacher? You know, very few. The point is, the answer to the question, what do you do, tells people a lot about who you are. The way we answer that question tells people what to think of us. So it doesn't matter if it's manual work, so if you work in a factory or just some type of unskilled labor, or if it's creative work like painters and sculptors and musicians and poets, or if it is skilled work like mechanical or medical, or even if it's redemptive work like pastors and counselors, regardless of what category you identify with. It is imperative that we remember that everything we do in the Monday to Friday, everything we do in the 9 to 5, sends a message to the world about what we believe about God. So the question that is often raised, like the dwarfs, 
Hi-ho, hi-ho, off to work we go. The question that arises, does human work have divine purpose? Right? Divine meaning, divine significance from the Word of God. I want to share a message with you today, and I want us to think along the terms of a biblical theology of work. And as I've sat in my office this week and just preparing this message and thinking about this particular message, I cannot remember if I have ever preached a biblical theology of work. But I think it's imperative for us to think about the fact that we cannot separate what happens to us and what we experience on Sunday mornings with what happens throughout the week in the nine to five. It all matters to God. So let's think for a few moments about a biblical theology of work. Number one, work is a creational blessing and mandate from God. Work is a creational blessing and mandate from God. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right, this Hebrew root of the Latin phrase, image of God, this imago Dei, it means a shadow or a likeness of God. This means that we as human beings occupy a higher place in God's created order because we are imprinted with God-like characteristics. We are imprinted with the image of God stamped upon our very being. Humanity is created in God's image to live in fellowship with Him, to reflect Him to all creation, to represent Him on the earth. There is another Latin phrase similar to Imago Dei, and that is Coram Deo. Right Before the image of God. Before the face of God. All aspects of our existence. Our private thoughts. Our public words. And our actions. Every part of who we are is lived out before the face of God. God is seated front and center. And he is watching everything. So that means that image bearing is not just Sunday morning worship, but it is reflecting God 24-7. When you go to Genesis chapter 2, in verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, and notice this, to work it and keep it. To work it. Keep it. God didn't place Adam and Eve in the garden just to hang around. 
God placed them there to work and keep. And that literally means to serve. God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to serve the Garden of Eden. To serve His creation. And so we find work central in God's creation. We find it as a central focus in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. So here we are right in the midst of paradise and here is a picture of God's intention for the way things ought to be. We see that work is a gift from God. We see that work is something that we were designed for, something we were built for, something that our Creator intends for our good. Work is part of our calling. And God designed it that way. Number two, work is not a punishment for sin, but it is harder because of sin. In 2014, Forbes did a study comparing some research they did 30 years earlier, right? So in 1984, Forbes did research asking a group of people questions about their work. And they found that in 1984, 61.1% of workers said they liked their jobs and they were happy with their work. Now, 30 years later, in 2014, they found something quite interesting. 61.1% are no longer happy with their work. In fact, 52.3% are unhappy with their jobs. Over half of all Americans are unhappy with their work. And many workers feel unfulfilled, they feel frustrated in their work, and that includes Christians, by the way. So according to the study, work can be boring, it can be mundane, it can be stressful, it can be insignificant. There are many who do not see a bigger purpose for their work other than earning a living to take care of the temporary needs of the people they're responsible for. It is important for us to remember that work is not evil. Nor is it a side effect of sin. And that needs to stick in our minds. It's important for us to remember that when we're frustrated in our work. When we're unfulfilled in our work. It is true that the curse of Genesis 3 with its images of thorns and thistles and the sweat of your face... It is true that sin brought toil and futility into work. But even after Adam's fall, it remained good for man to work. But due to God's curse on the earth, it became necessary for man not merely to work, but now with the fall, it became necessary for man to work hard. It is not a punishment for sin, but it is harder. Because of sin. Number three, work is a tool used by God 
for human flourishing. Work is a tool used by God for human flourishing. The text that was read for us in Colossians, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. In fact, Paul even said to the church at Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians 3.10 that if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. So Paul says in these verses that Christianity is really worthless unless it finds its way into the very fabric of life. Right? That Christianity is worthless unless it finds its way. It is deeply rooted into every aspect of who we are. Not just the way we worship on Sundays, but the way we work Monday through Friday. Why is this so important? It is important, dear ones, for this reason. How Christians live says much about what Christians believe. How we live, how we work, says much about what we believe about God. So if we take God's word seriously, then we're going to take it to work with us. How you do your job reflects on the one you worship. Work is a tool used by God for human flourishing, for blessing, and particularly to bless Him. Paul said, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. Number four, work is full of significance when it is connected with God. God wants us to invest significant passion in our work. God wants us to find true meaning in our work. And we do believe that work finds its true significance when it is Christ-centered. In other words, when it is based upon the model of Jesus, when it is based upon the example of Jesus. If you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus models for us, both in word and in deed, a joyful and obedient response to the call of God as a carpenter first, and then, of course, throughout his ministry. So we have in the Gospel of John, um, for example, in John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Later, Jesus says in John 5, My father is working until now, and I am working. So here is Jesus recognizing the father's work alongside his own. I wonder what it would be like for us if we were to actually think along those lines. I wonder what it, our work would be like for us if we were to think about the Father's work, the Father's design, the Father's good purpose alongside everything that we do.
our work should serve to reflect the image of God and the love of God to all who need us. Here's a good bottom line for us this morning. Through our work, we can honor the one who began a good work in us. You know what Paul said to the church at Philippi? He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So as we think about the text that Austin read for us today, as we think about 1 Thessalonians 4, right as we hear Paul say to the church at Thessalonica that they should aspire to live quietly, to mind their own affairs, and to work with their hands so that they would set a good example for outsiders, so that they wouldn't be dependent on somebody else. So let's, let's try to get this theology of work into some practical application. How do we make much of Christ in our work? How do we make much of Christ in our work? Well, let me quickly share five ways with you. Number one, approach your job the right way. Right? Paul said in Colossians 3, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly as for the Lord and not for men. Ron Hutchcraft actually tells a story of meeting a woman from his church. And uh, after meeting with her and uh, giving a customary greeting, he asked her, what do you do for a living? And she, with a huge grin on her face, she said, Pastor, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a machine operator. Right? I, I love that. Whatever work that you do, God wants you to do it with all of your heart. God wants us to do our jobs, not slacking off, not giving the bare minimum, but giving everything we have. That is how God wants us to approach our job, whether we like our jobs or not. Right? What image do God's people, if 53 plus percent of people are unhappy with their work and we know that Christians are included in that number. What image does it give when people do not see the joy of Jesus invading our lives even in every detail of our work? Approach your job the right way. What if you started your job in the morning determined to do it? For the glory of God. And that was your heart's desire. Number two. Have high standards of excellence and integrity in your work. Have high standards of excellence and integrity in your work. Three little boys were talking one day. And um, one of them said, you know, my daddy is so fast. He drove for NASCAR. And my dad was so fast they named a race car track after him. Well, the second little boy didn't want to be outdone, and he said, well, that's nothing. My daddy is so fast, when he speeds down the road, the police won't even chase after him because they know they can't catch him. The third little boy, still not wanting to be outdone, said, that's nothing. My dad gets off work at 4.30 every day, but he's home by 4.15. What would it say, church? To a watching world if we performed our nine to five 
with excellence and integrity. What would it say about our God? What would it say about His glorious gospel and how it's changed our lives? Right? Some believers in the church at Philippi, they said, well, you know, Jesus said He's coming back, so, you know, we're just, man, we're going to put on white robes and we're going to stand up on a hill and we're just going to hold hands and sing Kumbaya until Jesus comes. Paul said, that's all right, but when you get hungry, don't come knocking on my door. No, he said, work. Do your jobs. When Jesus comes, you be found faithful. Right? So if Jesus comes at 11.20 in the morning and you're on your jobs, what will he find in you? Will he find joy? Will he find the gospel? Will he find his glory on display? Let me hustle along. Number three. Glorify God no matter how trivial the task might seem to you. No matter what task you are assigned where you work, do it for the glory of God. Can I give you an example this morning? I hope this is not embarrassing. But I've served in the church for 38 years. But I had a first about 20 minutes before the service started. Right, our new custodian, Chris, came by the office and uh, mentioned something to me about the work day a little bit later, Rick. And then he said, well, Pastor, are you ready for today? And I said, I, I, I guess so. He said, oh, you'll be fine. And he put his arm around me and he prayed for me. Prayed that God would bless. Now, I don't know what that says to you. But to me, that is an image of a man wanting to glorify God in every task that he has. He was cleaning the sanctuary this week. Walks into the office on Friday morning. Comes up to me and says, Pastor, I just had an idea while I was in the sanctuary about Christmas. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, have you ever heard of Elf on a Shelf? And... I wanted to say no, <laughs> uh, but I couldn't. He said, well, what if instead of elf on a shelf, we just put ourself on a shelf and thought about others during the holiday season instead of us? He said, you know, God gave me that in the sanctuary. And I told him I'm stealing it, but then I thought, no, I've got to give him credit for, for that. Dear ones, do you see even the mundane of your life as a way to do ministry? Glorify God no matter how task, how trivial the task might seem to you. Number four, pray as you begin the day. Right When you're leaving your house and you're on your way to work, Heavenly Father, may you use this day. Help me to honor you. Help me to glorify you. Help me to lift your name on high as I work today. And then while you're at work, take every thought captive. Bring every thought in obedience to Christ. Right? So when you start getting prideful and saying, I'm, I'm too good to do that. No, you take that thought captive 
and you ask the Lord to strip away fleshly pride. Pray as you begin the day. You take every thought captive throughout the day. And then finally, number five, remember that you are accountable to God for how you live your life. Dear ones, you are accountable to God for how you live your life. Would you want to stand before the Lord? See, Hebrews 9, 27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. Would you want to stand before the Lord and hear the Lord say, Man, I loved how you worshipped on Sunday, how you lifted your hands and how you lifted your voice and how you just worshipped me on Sunday. I'm a little concerned about what I saw throughout the week. Does well done, thou good and faithful servant, only apply to Sunday mornings, or does it apply to the nine to five? When we as God's people have a biblical theology of work, we will see everything that we do for the glory of God. And I want to encourage you today. Maybe for some of you, that means... Today is a day of surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Today is a day when you turn from all known sin and place your faith in the Lord Jesus. And maybe for some of you, today is the day when you ask God to forgive you of the constant critical thinking about what you do throughout the week and start saying, God, I'm going to give it all to you and I'm going to do my job this week, even the trivial for the glory and honor of your name. And maybe for you, today means that you are having to take some thoughts captive about your work, or maybe even about the people you work with right now, today. Beloved, let's be the people of God who worship and glorify and serve and honor His name on Sunday morning and then Monday through Friday in the nine to five. May the normal of our lives highlight the glory.